0: The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Hey, how are you? Welcome to the program. On today's episode, number 76, the NHL trade deadline may have come and gone, but in Kawartha Lakes, there is a team that is always trying to woo new members.
1: We always manage to drive them around. They're in Lindsay, they're in Bob Cajun and Fenelon Falls. They, we do the loop of Sturgeon Lake. Yes, we stop for Kawartha Dairy Ice Cream. And you know what? It's made here. This is the plan.
0: That's Cindy Snyder, recruitment director with Kawartha Lake's Healthcare Initiative. She'll tell us what goes into pitching doctors to choose our community. Much like attracting hockey-free agents, sometimes there's some whining and dining involved. People in Rayboro for the first time in decades, first time ever actually, have to retrieve their mail not from the warm, welcoming foyer of a neighbor's home. We'll talk to one Rayborough resident about this unwelcome milestone. Readers to the Advocate podcast are familiar with the wonderful work of cartoonist Walt Rada. Now you can add wonderful award-winning work. We sit down with Walt later in the show and some music by looking for Heather, a great band that just happens to be from here that you could help land a much deserved spot at an upcoming esteemed music festival. We'll tell you how. My name is Denny Gringel, and this is the Advocate Podcast. Stories from Kawartha Lakes. End of an era in Rayboro again. A few years ago, that community's long-serving postmistress, Norma Jean Sutton, died after more than 50 years of doing all the things a regular post office does, but from the front of her house. But it was more than just holding and mailing large packages and selling stamps to the locals. The locals also picked up their mail in that small room in the front of her house from a number of mailboxes that were recessed into the wall. It was a gathering place, really, for neighbors. After Norma Jean's passing, there had been a new postmistress in Raybro who took over, but now news that she too is closing shop. And with no successor in sight, it looks like the locals are now retrieving their mail from a neighborhood outdoor cluster of mailboxes. You know what they look like. They're on a stand and they're generally brown. Marnie Callahan is a longtime Rayboro resident. She joins me on the line now from her home in Rayboro. Hi, Marnie.
2: Hey, Denny. How are you?
0: I'm well. Uh, probably better than you because I can get my mail right across the street from my house.
2: Yeah, mailboxes are great, aren't they?
3: Yeah,
0: when they're <laughs> when they're close to your home. Can you track that more recent history of the Rayboro Post Office since Norma Jean passed a few years ago? Because I know there had been a lot of. Uh, a lot of hope that great someone's taking over what transpired. Yes.
2: so so a lovely woman, Kelly, uh, down the road, right in the village. She she took it over and she uh, did as good a job as she could for the last two years. She had a lovely picture of Norma Jean there in the in the little room where you picked up your mail, which was nice, a little tribute to Norma Jean. Um, but she's closed shop, so now we have the ugly gray boxes. Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, it's yeah. yeah it, it, when I say it's the end of an era, I guess it really was the end of the uh, you know end of the era when Norma Jean passed away you know it was sort of the last remnant of community in Rayborough yeah. I would think
0: when it was taken over a couple of years ago were you I just wonder if, if you and your neighbors were hopeful that it would be long-standing or if it was just kind of delaying the inevitable
2: uh, um, I don't know I, I think we were sort of hopeful e- even having uh like you say that little room where you sometimes meet your neighbors and and also a little community bulletin board Somebody selling eggs somebody lost their cat you know the the community bulletin board was there so that that was a little hopeful. So yeah, I'm a little sad that it's gone. But
0: I know you uh, described the mailboxes in the past as a, a kind of being ugly. These ugly outdoor mailboxes, and certainly they're they're nothing you're going to see on on the cover of a, a fashion magazine or a, a, an architectural <laughs> digest magazine. But maybe you can if you can elaborate on that a little.
2: I guess I think of them as ugly, almost like new apartment buildings are ugly. There's no there's no beauty to them at all. They're they're square structural. You know. There's nothing, I don't know, they're just uh, utilitarian um, and, and they're out in the cold, right? The thing about getting your mail, at least at, at Norma Jean's or at Kelly's, there was a, a warm room, take off your gloves and, and sort through your mail. Now it's, you know, even if you meet neighbours, you're, you're both both going to be standing out in the cold and wind and grab your mail and go.
0: Well, before we get to the emotional part of this, uh, which you elaborated on a bit, how, how will this affect your, your day-to-day postal needs of just sending packages and, and picking up your mail?
2: Right, um, now we to do anything like that, to do anything that's any more um, complicated than posting a, a letter or getting one, it, we'll have to go to Omimi or to Lindsay. So that was pretty convenient to be in our little our little village and being able to walk down to Norma Jean or Kelly and you know post an actual package, you know, to my daughter at West or or whatever. now'll now will now i will just make the little trip into Lindsay or Omimi, I guess.
0: What does this mean to the the mood, the spirit of Raybro if I'm not overstating that?
2: Um, it's sort of the nail in the coffin. I mean, a, a community that once had a, 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 you know, a general store and a gas station and a church and a post office and a gas station, whatever, all those things are gone. This was just sort of the, the final thing. And I, I think the reason I, I, I notified you, Denny, was I, I this year for Lent, I gave up um, screens. So anything to do with scrolling or Netflix or YouTube or anything like that. And sort of when you're off screens, you become hyper aware of how much time everybody spends on their screens. People walking down the street, so many people are just sort of locked in their little bubble. And um, I think that's what sort of made me hyper aware. Sort of this is, you know, the last little vestige of, of human contact. Like it's another thing of human contact, right? Mm-hmm. Picking up your mail and having a, a, a smiling face there. Now it's just, uh, yeah, a little gray box.
0: Well, I'm glad I reached you by telephone and not by Zoom so that we could adhere to the... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Best of luck in the future with you and your Rayborough neighbours. I'm sure you will prevail. Thanks so much for this, Marnie.
2: Okay, Denny. Have a good day. This is Melissa Weems from Wards Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kwaratha Lakes. We
0: are part of the Advocate Magazine and the Advocate Online, and therefore 100% local media. The March issue of the magazine celebrates International Women's Day with a number of profiles of women from Kawartha Lakes. Pick up your copy across the city, including the Omimi Laundromat and the Country Cupboard in Fenland Falls. Maybe you haven't actually met Walt Ratta, which would be a shame because he is such a warm, friendly, and funny fella but you've no doubt met his work, which is equally warm and funny and very creative. Walt Ratta is the cartoonist of record for The Advocate magazine, but his portfolio expands well beyond that publication. In fact, it's his cartooning creativity with the Port Perry Star and the Scugog Standard that recently earned him third place in the category of Cartoonist of the Year with the Ontario Community Newspapers Association. A well-deserved award indeed for the cartoonist, whose comic strips and one-panel cartoons range from light pokes at politicians to playfully lampooning middle-age to illustrating penguins blowing past you to denote how windy and how cold the weather is. Walt's 25 years of cartoons are now on display until the end of the month at the Scugog Memorial Public Library in Port Perry, where you can also purchase his cartoon collection in book form. I had the opportunity to sit down with Walt recently to talk about his most recent award, but also where he finds his inspiration and also what cartooning means to him.
4: Even though you always crave first, I'm so thankful and grateful to be recognized this way because you do put a lot of work into these things and... Uh, it's gratifying that people do recognize what you've done. I've placed second and third in Ontario and Canada numerous times and um, uh, but never first. Um, this might date me a little bit but I'm like the Susan Lucci of community newspaper cartoonists. I love cartoons of all types. I still do today. I still uh, enjoy cartoon movies, I still enjoy panel type cartoons. I admire all the great ones. I don't need to name them. Everyone knows them. Um, and so to have an opportunity through the standard to do my own panel strip, which was based on my own family, which is running 25 years now, means a great deal because it, it's a chronology of our family through the years. And the kids love it. And we, my wife and I love it. And you go back through it now and you see all these things that happen because most of the inspiration came from real events. Like I used to say, if I need an idea, wait five minutes and something will happen. So it's funny. I I am a world champion procrastinator. So normally I I'm not starting the cartoon until the deadline's just hours away and often I won't have an idea. So if I'm there say so I'm amazed at myself sometimes that something comes and as that's the uh the creative thing that's in all people, musicians, comedians, writers, where does it come from? And so Uh, They don't always work, they don't always hit. As Jerry Seinfeld said, they don't always laugh. Um, But uh, an idea will come, and I sit down and put it down on paper, and I'm usually frantically trying to get it ready just in time for the deadline, and it it works. I I don't like to hurt people. And even though I lampoon people and uh, politicians, I still don't want to really hurt somebody. And I found funny sometimes, even when I do, I do a cartoon, which I thought might be a little biting, often the politician will still enjoy it because they've been in the paper, or they've been mentioned, or they've been noticed. Um, there were a few times early on when I was a little more biting and how I drew people and I found I didn't like it so I backed off that but even I started mostly cartooning when I worked at General Motors all those years and I made a lot of cartoons there about my fellow workers and supervisors I got in trouble quite a lot doing that and um but there were other cartoonists at the motors too but I don't think I was ever some of it got really nasty and really personal and I don't think I ever did that unless it was in self-defense, because it's a funny thing that the old pen is mightier than the sword. I had a few incidences at the motors when I ran into people in a situation arose where they were giving me a hard time and I'd come up with a cartoon of them and they shut up because they didn't want any more of these because everyone else was loving them. So it's an interest it was an interesting bit of power I discovered. Um, but at the bottom line is I don't I don't want to hurt anybody, really. I want people to enjoy it. I want to point out humorous things or maybe even follies in politicians or people without it being nasty, because I don't think that's necessary.
0: When people take it all in and they're on their way home, they're walking home or they're in the car or they're finally settled in at home in their favorite chair, what do you want them to have absorbed from, from your show? From your exhibit at the library what would you like them to feel and to remember
4: i hope it's the same thing i've experienced going back through 25 years of cartoons things we've forgotten about events um, places even technology that has changed but in because a community community newspaper cartoonist it's not worldview, it's not Toronto, it's not big time. It's a new stop signs going in. There's the or it's the fairs. And every I don't know how many cartoons I can do about the fairs because every year I have to do a cartoons about the fairs, but every year they come up. I like drawing animals, so that kind of fits. But it I hope it's uh, especially for people who saw the cartoons at some point and remember something or even people who never saw them, but go through time and thought, yeah, this happened, or this was going on, or I remember when they put that stop sign in, <laughs> um, because it's it'll take you back and hopefully give you a warm feeling for our community and the things that have happened and changed, and maybe rekindle a memory that, that you enjoyed or a politician you'd forgotten about, but now remember. It's become a huge part of our life and something uh, we're all, our whole family, thankful for. When you hear people laughing or commenting or responding to something you've done, there's nothing better and I think any creative person can say that. Hi, my name is Walt Rada. I uh, live in the Little Britain area. Uh, with my family out in the countryside well my wife and one daughter at this point we have five daughters all together i am currently the custodian at cambridge street united church in lindsay i am a freelance cartoonist on the side and community newspaper cartoonist for numerous publications in the area and you're listening to the advocate podcast stories from kawartha lakes
0: The Advocate Podcast is brought to you by Ward's Lawyers. If you're ever in need of a lawyer, like I was when I needed a contract vetted, Carissa Ward and her team can meet your every legal need. Find out what they can do for you at wardlegal.ca. You'll remember back in season one when we featured conversations with members of looking for heather they're a great and extremely hard-working band with strong roots in Kawartha lakes whom you can help with a simple 30-second contribution of your time here's what you do the band would like to be part of and they really should be part of the tall pines music festival in gravenhurst this june you can help make that happen just go to the band's facebook page for instructions on how to vote for them to be part of that fest and to really inspire you, this is a recent release. Can Mine Be You? By Looking for Heather. Pretty
3: things sitting. You cry, you're the one I'm taking home tonight. But we can slip out the back door. Feel what it's like to be young without missing out on. Won't you come?
0: That is Looking for Heather with Can Mine Be You. Really worth checking out the video for that song and going, Hey, I know that place in Lindsay. There's that place near my street and that's the ruins in that park. Go to the band's Facebook page where you can vote for the band to appear at this year's Tall Pines Music Festival. It'll take less than 30 seconds of your time and you'll help bring some Kawartha Lakes bred great live music to Gravenhurst this June. And you know what? Do what I did. Go to the band's webpage and purchase some really cool LFH merch. If I want to go home at lunch, I can go
5: home for lunch. Okay. Oh, so good. Five minutes to get there. Things here that you need pretty well. And, and if it isn't, it's not too far to, to get to a bigger center.
0: We knew right from the beginning that uh, we'd want to live someplace where there's not just practice, but also uh, recreation. I love it here. That is from a video produced by the Kawartha Lakes Healthcare Initiative, with the sole purpose of attracting new doctors, specifically family doctors, to Kawartha Lakes. Indeed, that can sometimes feel like a game of catch-up. One new family physician arrives in the community, but then two physicians leave or retire, as happened recently. The competition to attract family physicians is fierce. Is there a community in Canada that doesn't need a new doctor or two or dozens? Much of the task of convincing doctors to make Kawartha Lakes home falls to Cindy Snyder. She is the recruitment and retention director of the Kawartha Lakes Healthcare Initiative, She joins me on the line now. Ms. Snyder, thank you so much for coming on the program.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. I know this is a a hot topic and we, on behalf of Lakes Healthcare Initiative, appreciate the opportunity to spread our word as to what we do and how we do it.
0: And maybe uh, spread the word out to attract to potential doctors who are out there listening. Okay, what is your reaction when you learn that a doctor or uh, as in the case that was recently reported in the Advocate Magazine two doctors, Mm are shutting down their practice.
1: Of course, we're always disappointed. If I can't find someone to replace them, that there's now another 1,000 patients that will be without a a family doctor in our community. Um, I do uh, work with them as much as I can and find out reasons why and and not for, for just going forward. I've always, we've told all the family doctors for years, we need generally 12 to 18 months or close to two years to really recruit somebody to the community from when I first make a contact.
0: I didn't realize there was actually a post-mortem, like an exit interview, or tell me about that. What's that conversation like? What can they tell you?
1: A lot of times it is around what the issues were, if there was issues with their practice or issues with government. A lot of times it is they're retiring, then there aren't issues, it's retirement. And some have left the community because they have family members, maybe their parents that are starting to be elderly and they need to be closer to them. We've had that happen before, too. As I say to everyone, physicians are people just like you and I, um, and they have priorities too. family being number one.
0: Have you ever learned anything in that conversation without getting into necessarily specifics Mm -hmm. where you thought, okay, this is something we can improve on for that next doctor who comes in?
1: The odd time yes we do follow up with new recruits about nine months or so after they've started one of our board members in particular will contact them and and just kind of go through are you settling in how's go- how is it gone uh what else could we provide you with in information or connections or anything like that and that's another way we find out maybe if things aren't going well that we can learn better mm-hmm. for the next person that we recruit and sometimes it is through the exit interviews I would say very few that I can think of that left because something was really wrong here.
0: Let's just back up then what goes into actually making the big pitch to potential doctors. I I, I always think of uh, hockey players who are, who are now free agents and they're often toured around by general <laughs> managers and wined and dined. Is there any of that at all, where you can woo them and bring them out for the weekend or?
1: Definitely. <laughs> um, and we definitely do that type of thing to start. I usually meet, and and get their contacts by going to job fairs at, uh, uni- at the medical schools, at the universities. And it's a room full of recruiters like myself and they kind of tour around and talk to those of us that they might be interested in. And most, I would say generally, it's always rural recruiters that are in the room. I've never seen anybody from Toronto uh, at any of these events, that type of thing. It's all of us at a rural, two to three times a year, we will put on a residence weekend as we call them where I send out an invitation to everybody in my contact list. We invite them to come for the weekend, and we'll take six couples. That is really meant to be a show the community, a tag it with an event going on most of the time if we can, or an activity. We pay for their accommodations. We pay for all their meals once they're here. We, we cover off, and we have local family physicians join us at various times, we do a presentation on the area and what opportunities we have available for them for practice, tell them all the time, this, this event is held, can you picture yourself living here, being here, raising your family? If they are interested, then we, we go ahead then after that one-on-one, we have them back, we introduce them again to some of the physicians that maybe are retiring, or if they're inter- interested in starting their own practice, where there's space available for them to do that. We definitely do, I will use those words too, wine and dine um, and uh, and bring them around and uh, show them the community and show them the activities that they can be involved in. I've taken them to the theater before. I've taken them to a, 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 a craft beer festival. Mm-hmm. There's there's different things that just attract them to the community.
0: Despite the fact that we have a, a unique community, we all feel the of the Lakes has something special to offer, but when you're mm-hmm. in that room of uh, recent university graduates, new doctors. And you're amongst all uh, a bunch of other rural mm-hmm. recruiters as well. What can you say to convince these people that, yeah, I know you've talked to Espanola. I know you've talked mm-hmm. to a, a community out near Windsor, but we're different. How do you how do you make yourself stand out?
1: A lot of that is our co- being cottage country and having our four seasons I was actually really pleased when I was just at the Western event because being there other years and it would be, I usually start out, do you know where we are? And a lot of them don't. They're looking at my little map and trying on my banner and trying to figure out where we are. And almost all of them said, yes, they knew where we were. They've either cottaged here, they've driven through here to go to Algonquin Park. That is also a big plus that they already know where we are. Two big pieces are what does their partner do? They're professionals too, generally. Can't always support that here, so my mind automatically goes to okay, we're close to Peterborough, we're close to Oshawa, if it's an engineering type job or or something like that. Um, and the other is they want to be usually about an hour from their family. They want to start their family, so they want to have the grandparents close by and and things like that. So those are two two of the stumbling blocks we have. And so the sooner I find that out, the better.
0: I want to touch a bit on the uh, the pitch that you described this being cottage country. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that balance for the person who's going, well, that's nice, but I don't wanna live on the lake. I want a, I want a town yeah. where I can grow up. Well, how, how do you balance that?
1: As, as soon as you get that kind of response, then you can spin your answer, basically.
0: Have you gotten that response?
1: No, I've never had anyone say they don't wanna live on a lake. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. There's the odd time they wanna have a hobby farm. Again, I can tell them, we can do that. We have all of that. We have the the winter sports, we have the, the summer sports, but I'll say we're not just sports. We have our live theatres, yes, in Lindsay, Bob Cajun, and Fenland Falls. We also encourage the fact, or mention the fact, we're only an hour and a half to downtown Toronto in good traffic. We always clarify that. Um, so they can go to the theatre, they can go to a hockey game or a Raptors game, or and and either come home or make a weekend of it, but they can do it and come back to their own beds we always manage to drive them around. They're in Lindsay, they're in Bob and Fenland Falls. They, we do the loop of Sturgeon Lake. Um, yes, we stop for Coortha Ice Cream. And you know what? It's made here. This is, this is the plant. So that they, they experience that. And they see, especially if they're here in the summer, they see the Trent Severn and they see the boats going through. We all know it's a lifestyle. And I admit to them also. I chose to live here thirty years ago, and would never choose to go back.
0: Might I be so bold that next time, maybe opened with the coritha dairy ice cream? That might be your your lead.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I've said that a couple of times. If I think, if I thought I could keep it frozen, I would take it with me to the job fairs.
0: You've mentioned a lot about recruiting young doctors. Is that, is that primarily where your focus is? Or are you ever looking at the the middle-aged doctor who might be thinking, yep. eh, I'm tired of living in the city. Mm-hmm. Where are most, where's most of your attention focused?
1: A lot of it is, yes, on the newer recruits coming out the newer physicians. But we do attend um, at times conferences that are held, uh, such as the Society of Rural Physicians. Uh, they, all ha- they hold a yearly conference and we've been there before. and and that is also there's residents there too but if there is a a physician going by that maybe is thinking of semi-retiring and and coming out of a larger center they might think of coming here and if they would come here and practice with us for five or ten years even on a more semi-retired basis it still helps us out we do offer incentives financial incentives and we asked them to sign a four year return of service agreement. And I'll be quite honest. The last few physicians that have arrived had said thanks, but no thanks. The money is not it might be a final decision, but it, it's not the be all and end all.
0: In the 30 years since you've lived in the area and in the 26 years since I've lived in this area, Cindy, I mean, I, I think both of you and I can safely say that uh, the area is not as homogenous as it used to be. There is a, a more multicultural feel than there had been so i'm wondering how that maybe is making recruiting is this now a more attractive area to foreign trained doctors or people from different Mm -hmm. cultural communities
1: yes being able to show that and we are able to show that the medical community in itself has certainly over the years become more multicultural, uh, even with the hospital setting up the mosque quite a few years ago for that reason. So yeah, and even in our communities, yes, you can see it. And again, when we're doing our tours, I will try to do that. I will try whether bring in one of our our physicians that is maybe in the same culture or at least a different culture, uh, let them know that there is that here. Um, Or even if we know people in the community, stop by and talk to them. Uh, that type of thing in one of the stores, or something that we know. And we do everything to make them as comfortable as possible in order to encourage them to come here.
0: Cindy Snyder is the recruitment and retention director for the Kawartha Lakes Healthcare Initiative, whose task it is to help fill the current void about 15 to 20 doctors in our city. We hope to check in with the KLHCI in the not-too-distant future and learn more about its Medical Learner Program, which also supports recruitment of family doctors. Time to thank some people who make our show possible. Wards Lawyers for being our exclusive sponsor for more than three years. The team at Wards can meet any and all of your legal needs. Find out how by visiting wardlegal.ca. Gerald Van Halteren wrote and performs our theme and musical Bridges. You can find us and give us your thoughts on the program and, you know, share some story ideas by visiting our Facebook page, The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Coorth Lakes, which is written, produced and hosted by me, Denny Grignel. Hope you didn't pull anything clearing that driveway or that walking pathway to the front door. Talk to you in a couple of weeks.